There should be one in the pew next to you. Now let's turn in the Word of God tonight to 2 Corinthians, or as uh, President Trump innocently called it, 2 Corinthians. <laughs> uh, I don't care how you call it, amen, it doesn't matter. You can say 2nd, the uh, number 2 Corinthians, that's all right. Doesn't matter, as long as you get there, right? Number, uh, number 2 Corinthians chapter... Five. Let's go to chapter 5, verse 14 through 20 tonight. We're going to be speaking on the subject of our recon being reconciled in Jesus. Reconciled in the Lord, the Lord Jesus. Let's bow for prayer. Father, thank you for this night. Thank you for the great crowd on a Wednesday. Thank you for our church and our people. Uh, we do lift up our prayers, Lord, and we ask God that you'll bless those that are grieving. Uh, we think of uh, Parker... Uh, Ellis now uh, with the funeral on this Saturday. Uh, Lord, we pray for her friends and some family, and we ask God that you'll bless her in her uh, grieving time of the loss of her precious soulmate. And we pray and thank you that uh, we're going to be able to have a part in that. And Lord, we pray that you'll bless bless the ceremony on uh, on Saturday, and we pray you'll bless Jeannie's shower, of course, on uh, Friday. We ask God that you'll uh, just give us a great, great time as we enter into the uh, months coming up close to the holiday season with Thanksgiving and, and Christmas and the New Year's, Lord. We, we pray that you'll be with our church and with our people and give us the blessings that you would love to have us have. And we pray that you'll uh, bless us tonight as well and bless this message to our hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, let's take a look. 2 Corinthians chapter number uh, 5 verses 14 through 20 let's read those it says for the love of christ constraineth us because we thus judge that if one died for all then all were dead and <clears throat> that he died for all that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves but unto him which died for them and rose again. Wherefore, henceforth know we no man after the flesh, yea, though we have known Christ after the flesh, yet now henceforth know we know him no more. Therefore, <clears throat> if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things <clears throat> are passed away. Behold, all things are become new, and all things are of God who hath reconciled us <clears throat> to himself by Jesus Christ and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation, to wit, that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and, and hath committed unto us the word of of reconciliation now then we are ambassadors for christ as though god did beseech you by us we pray you in christ's stead be ye reconciled to god you notice the word repeated over and over again is reconciliation being reconciled this word is is so sweet in its in its pure meaning and that it means that uh there was a problem, a big, big problem, and uh, reckon, when you reconcile with somebody, 
you call each other back into a union. You call, it being called into union. And there's other words that go along with it. Come, come back into friendship. Come back into a relationship. Now, uh, to it, maybe even affection toward one another. Love after a variance or a, a separation. But there is what, what we call today irreconcilable differences. Now, you may have had that in your life, whether it be a friend or others, but there is such thing as a reconciliation that cannot happen. That's human nature, and it does happen. And so when the Bible talks about being reconciled, the Bible's not speaking about uh, everybody has to be reconciled with each other without, without doubt. That's not true. That's not true. But... If you look at human nature, you see that God has been greatly offended <clears throat> and our, our relationship with him uh, started out wrong, started out bad. The Bible says as soon as, as, soon as we're born, we're born into this sinful uh, relationship where we're separated from God. In other words, it doesn't take long for a little guy to become a sinner, does it? When did you start? I tell you, that's a good question. Uh, <clears throat> I have memories. When I was two, I can describe things that, that happened to me. And my, my mom said, you were two years old and that happened. And I said, well, yeah, okay. I, you know, I started out pretty early. <laughs> Don't look at me funny either. I mean, I got caught smoking the first time when I was four years old. Yep. And I got, a, I got in really bad trouble. It didn't take me long to get into the natural way. <laughs> You know, didn't take me long to become a human being, I, you know. But I, I, you and I, we're born, and uh, we're born into the, the natural human nature of sin. There's no getting around that. Uh, the, nobody's ever been born but Jesus that wasn't born into the natural problem of being a sinner. So <clears throat> we started out uh, kind of a, with a broken foot and a, and a, 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 bro a leg out of joint. But... Some people have, have had irreconcilable differences. You know how that is. But think about how God has looked at mankind. Everybody is irreconcilable different. In other words, there's just no way God is going to let everybody just automatically go to heaven. It's not automatic. That's, that's the wrong gospel. But... God is so pure and so holy and so perfect. It, it, he is so righteous. We can't even approach to him. We, <clears throat> we can't tread his courts. We can't go into his presence. We, we're outsiders. We're aliens. We're, we're, just, we're human sinners. There's just no hope for human sin. In other words, uh, the Bible teaches that without Jesus... Paying this price of reconciliation, there's no way that man is just going to walk right up to heaven and expect entrance into the kingdom of God as if they didn't need Jesus. But there would be unreconciled. They, their, their sins have not been reconciled yet. It, they haven't been brought back into union <coughs> with God. Now, 
I want you to please turn with me to 1 John chapter 1. 1 John chapter 1 verse 6. It says, if we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanseth us from all sin. Look at verse number 8 through 10. If we say that we have no sin, 1 John 1, 8, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Now all of us have been put into human nature. We are born into the, to the world of sin. Uh, David, the, uh, the most famous prophet in the Old Testament, the uh, king of Israel said, I, I was shapen in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me. That wasn't a terrible thing that he was saying about his mom. It's just that we're born into human nature. There's no way of getting around it. So this, this break of, of fellowship, this break of union, this, this uh, scary God, this harsh, perfect person that doesn't allow any sin to come into his presence. He can't look at sin. Uh, he, he, he gives us commandments and he says, if you break those commandments, even one of them, uh, I'm going to judge you as if you broke every one of them. The harshness of God, the purity, man can't attain to that. He doesn't know what to do about it. Boy, I, I, I have tried to uh, uh, be, be real, real strong at, at times in my life where I really felt follow the laws and follow the rules. Let me tell you what about what happens. The closer somebody follows the rules, the more they're hated. Take a police officer. You know, his job is to catch you. <laughs> and uh, some, some of us long, long time ago have been caught. And what we did was we were speeding, and we don't like that. We don't like to have anybody tell us, look, you were going 15 over the speed limit. It's not, it's not really his job just to catch you if you're going 15 over. You know what his job is? I hate to tell you this, but there's a limit to the, your speed. And he, he rightfully, he's never going to make it happen, but he could give you a ticket for one mile over the speed limit. You say, oh, that's too harsh. I know it. It's terrible. <laughs> it's true, though. It's the law. I didn't, you know, the law is not your friend. The law is your schoolmaster to teach you that you need help. <laughs> so you see, God is so perfect and so righteous and so holy. You, you, cannot, you cannot be in the presence of God by yourself. You can't make it. Every single person, the Bible says there's none righteous, no, not one, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Amen. The, the fact is that no matter how good you try to be, you have uh, failed. There is a good part to this message, so just hold on. I don't want you to go out, you know, hang in your head and stoop shoulders and say, well, that was a great message. 
I feel so rotten right now. But I guess that's my lot in life. I, I'm just a dirty, rotten fool. I've done no good. I can't make it. I can't do anything right. Okay, well, church was great tonight. You know. that's, not what I'm, that's not what this is all about. It's just the opposite. But let's go to 1 Peter chapter 1. Go back to uh, 1 Peter chapter 1. God is so righteous and holy. And all of man and it, it, it is, is sinful. And all of mankind is sinful. Look at 1 Peter now. Chapter 1 verse 18 and 19. It says, For as much as you know that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. Now we're getting into the, the meat of the blessing of this message. I have had, um, and you have had, the whole world has had, already way back on Calvary, uh, something given to you that you could not uh, attain. You, you, he paid a debt that he didn't owe. And uh, we owed a debt we couldn't pay. Yes. We owe God. He's God. We're not. Amen. He made us. We didn't make ourselves. He put us here, but we blew it. Fact is, nobody has ever been perfect outside of Jesus Christ. So if we were trying to earn our way to heaven, we could not do it. I had a Navy chief tell me one time after I witnessed to him. He said, Shaver, you can't clean a dirt clod. That's all he said. What he meant was you ever take a, a piece of dirt and try to wash it? <laughs> it doesn't work. And uh, he was trying to tell me he wasn't worthy of getting saved. And we had more conversation than that. I hope, I hope he received Christ as his Savior, but he knew I really loved him and I, I really respected him, but he was, just, he was just a beat up old sinner and just waiting to retire you know, from the Navy and just old and alcohol and all that. And I, I just, my heart went out to him when he said that. I go, what am I gonna do with that? <clears throat> well, let's go and, and, and see this again. It says in verse 19, for as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. So we have had a reconciling with God provided for us. Jesus reconciled in your place. Amen. He already paid the price. He did everything that was necessary to save you and to give you eternal life. It was the, the price has been paid. The suffering has already been done. There's nothing I can offer to Jesus in addition to what he did for me on the cross. I'm never going to improve on that. I'm never going to say, you know, it's, uh, uh, he did what he did on the cross, but I have to do my part. That is so wrong. That's wrong. We don't have a part to do in salvation. We, all we have to do is just love him and accept him and, and treat him as our Savior and accept him into our heart 
He did all the work necessary to, to, to save our souls. I, there's nothing I can give. He doesn't need my money. Lord, Lord, thank you for that. He doesn't need your money. How many are glad for that? Because you probably don't have enough to buy your way into heaven. Say amen to that. In fact, if you got too much money, it chances are you won't you won't be able to go to heaven. <laughs> say, now wait, wait, well, let me let me let me say how that works. What that does is that if you're trusting in your money and not God, like some of those incredibly billionaire people out there, Jesus Christ himself said, How hardly shall a man a rich man enter into the kingdom of heaven? So I'm not the judge. I'm just saying sometimes I'm kind of glad I haven't won the lottery. Not that I would lose my salvation because I'm saved. I should be winning it. I would like to. I had a lady. Oh, I was with Justin and we were we were looking at some appliances. And for some reason, she came up with this this great deal. And, and she said to Justin, oh, you should play the lottery. This is great. This is we found the right stuff for you. And uh, so while we were leaving to go pay for it, she said, don't forget, if you win the lotto, remember me. And Justin, with his big mouth, he said, you'll get half. <laughs> no way. Who would be so silly as to promise that? Would you give me half? Say no. Say, I know your heart. You, you, you. Hear about them two farmers? They grew up together. He says, he goes, hey, he says, uh, how long we've been friends? The guy says, man, all of our lives. We grew up in this town. He said, well, if you had a million dollars, would you give me half? He said, yeah, of course I would. He says, uh, if, if, you, if you had uh, two Cadillacs, would you give me one of them? He goes, of course I would. Man, we, we'd go back a long way. And he says, if you had two hogs, would you give me one? He goes, whoa, whoa man, you know I got two hogs. <laughs> I love that joke. We have been reconciled. Let's go back to 1 Corinthians now. 1 Corinthians, we were in 2. Let's go to 1 Corinthians. I want to show you a wonderful, wonderful blessing. I love this subject because when you realize what has been done for you, you will begin to appreciate him. When you realize what he did for you on the cross of Calvary, what you'll do then is you'll begin, or uh, let's see, second, I might have got it wrong here. Um, hold on a minute. Okay, yes, got the right one. First Corinthians chapter number six, verse nine. When we realize what he did for us and how much salvation depended on him and not you, it gets sweeter and sweeter as the days go by. Uh, I'm not trying to hang on to my, my salvation. It's, it's already sealed way back on Calvary. And I'm, not, I'm not working. Uh, if there's anything Christians need to do to work at, it's just being a good Christian, loving your neighbor, loving God, loving people, loving the Lord, trying to stay faithful to him, having a good attitude, reading your Bible, praying, just having a good walk with God. And uh, that that doesn't get you into heaven. That's because you're going to go there. And by the way, I didn't serve God because I want to go to heaven. I serve him because I'm already going to go there. That's the beauty about being a, a Christian. Look at verse number nine. 
verse number nine, six, nine, it says, Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. Now look what he says here. And such were some of you. The, in Corinth, uh, I studied about that city. It was a very, very wicked town. All of the Greek uh, Olympians and the chariot racers and some of the, uh, the, uh, the guards and uh, the centurions, they used, to, they used to train down in Corinth. And it was a very wicked city. Paul went there and started a church. In fact, in the gates coming into Corinth, they had two lions on either side of the street, and both lions held in their mouth a lamb. This is the attitude of Corinth. Corinth was a wicked town, and it was very populated. Sea uh, lane went right through. They, they cut a canal. The Corinthian canal went right through Corinth. And so instead of going down south, the ships would, would have the slaves pull the ships down through the canal, and the sailors used to use Corinth as a place to party. It was a wicked, wicked, wicked town. And Paul, uh, he's not trying to condemn anybody here, but look what he says in verse 11. He names all these sins, and he says, And such were some of you, but ye are washed, but ye are sanctified, but ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. All things are lawful unto me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. In other words, he, he was saying, look, there is a sinful world out here, and uh, you used to be like that, but because of Christ now you've been cleansed, and you've been sanctified, and now you're what? If that's not eternal security, there isn't any. If he's not telling them they're saved, he said, you used to be that way. You were. After Christ, the Bible says, all things are become new. Now, some people believe, uh, you know, I believe it's very wrong. I believe it's horrible, uh, but I can't change it. And that is that God preordained a few people to be saved or lost. Uh, you take 10 people, uh, uh, some doctrine says, well, uh, so many of those 10 were ordained to get saved. And then some of them, I'm sorry, but they're just so evil, God didn't want them. He ordained them to go to hell. I don't believe that because people go to hell, it's because God wanted them to go there. If he wanted them to go, he could have just let them go. But he tells us to get the gospel to every creature, doesn't he? He tells us to love our neighbor, doesn't he? He says, uh, go ye unto all the world and preach the gospel. That isn't just to make fun of the people that are going to go to hell. That's to give them a chance to make the right choice. And so I'm glad one day the gospel came to my heart. I'm glad I asked Jesus to be my Savior. But until I was uh, saved, I was at odds with God. I want you to see this now. Let's go to 1 uh, John chapter number 2. 
there's something here that uh, everybody should circle in your Bible and realize that this, um, I, I guess another name for this reconciliation would be called propitiation. And uh, I, I looked into what that means and what all the ramifications of this word. It's a beautiful word. It uh, has to do with reconciliation a little bit. <clears throat> but it's the propitiation here is a fantastic word. I want to share it with you. In verse number 1 of chapter 2, 1 John 2, 1 says, My little children... <clears throat> These things write I unto you, that ye sin not. If any man sin, we have an advocate, that is what you would call a lawyer today, or a counsel on your side. When you go, uh, if, you, if you did get caught speeding and you wanted a lawyer, he would advocate for you. And he would say, come on, Really? Aren't you being a little too hard? One mile over the speed limit? Give me a break. You know, he would fight. Uh, and I don't mean to degrade what Jesus did for us. His reconciliation, his propitiation, his work was so incredible that we should take note of it. Look what he did. He says, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And he, Jesus is the propitiation for our sins and not for ours only but also for the sins of the whole world according to this verse and many others he died for the entire planet of every historical moment since the day that god said let there be light until the day that the that the world will be destroyed he died on the cross for every single person Amen. the reconciliation in other words who could reconcile my sin who could be my propitiation who could who could but uh, if i can't do it i've got to have help i've got to have somebody to forgive me i've got to have somebody to pay for my sins my payment and your payment would have been that you'd have to be separated in hell for eternity and that's how powerful god is I will not allow you to be in my presence because you chose to sin. You say, oh, is God really that harsh? Is he really like that? Well, God the Father is. But guess what he did? He showed his love to us, for God so loved the world. Amen. See, he can't change who he is. He's not going to say, well, you know what? I was really hard on Brother Shaver, but but I like Gabriel. I think I'm gonna, I'm Gabriel. I'm gonna let you get away with stuff, Brother Shaver. I'm gonna I'm gonna beat him to death, but I'm gonna let you get away with it. And uh, that God's not like that. God's completely righteous to everybody. He can't change himself. He's pure and holy and righteous. However, on one side. He, uh, he gave us the law and said, if you break one issue of this law, you're guilty. On the other side, though, but I have a way for you because I am love. God is love. And because of that, he gave his only precious son, Jesus Christ. You see, so it's not that God doesn't like everybody. It's just that you have to go through the door. As far as I know, everybody grabbed the door and came in tonight 
You came in through a door. Jesus said, I am the door. I'm the way, the truth, and life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. So he, he, he did the work of reconciliation. He paid the price, and now the work is over, and all people have to do is come to Christ. It doesn't take much to come to Christ. How many are glad you don't have to go through four years of college to get saved? Amen. Yep, amen. How many are glad you don't have to learn the Greek alphabet to get saved? Amen. You don't have to learn the Hebrew alphabet to get saved. Amen. You don't even have to learn the Spanish alphabet to get saved. Amen. You don't have to learn the English alphabet to get saved. How many are glad you don't have to achieve a certain level of mathematics to get saved? Amen. Have I hit your, your weak spot yet? <laughs> How many of you said you don't have to be a poet? Uh, I could go on and on and on and on and on. You, you, how many, just, you don't have to be, all you men, come on, it's time for an amen. You don't have to be handsome to get to heaven. Amen. <laughs> I, th I thought you'd agree with me. I'm not going the other way. You, you don't have to be strong. You don't, you don't have to be uh, wealthy. You don't have to. There's nothing you can do except for cry out to Jesus as your Savior. Amen. That's the key. He did the work. He, he reconciled us to God, paid the price. That's why, that's why they make so much about Jesus in the Bible. And that's why this world hates him so much. And if you don't think this world hates Jesus, just look at the news. Just, just study Islam. You'll find out there's a lot of hatred for Jesus around this world. And I can't figure it out other than they just want to get to heaven their own way. They want to have their own idea what heaven's all about. You know, I want to tell you a little story and I'll be finished. Um, let's go back to 2 Corinthians chapter 5 for just a minute. The, the, the work that was done for you, it's just so wonderful. It, it, it should cause you and I to uh, have some private time during the day maybe, uh, ha have some serious contemplation. It should cause us to meditate. It should cause us to have a little sober time and say, Lord, thank you so much for what you did for me. It should cause you to, it should draw you to the Lord. Now, in uh, verse 17 through 20, here, let's just take 17, then we're going to go to one more verse. Um, but look at, look at chapter uh, number 5, verse 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. So this reconciliation isn't done by you or me. It's not done by a priest. It's not accomplished by a pastor. It's not accomplished by a body of regulatory um, leaders in any denomination. It's not done by any other person, but it's all done by Jesus Christ. And it's not going to be done. It's not in the process of being done. It's finished. Remember Jesus said on the cross, 
I kind of gave it away. What did he say when he died on the cross? It is finished. So the work that he had to do on Calvary to purchase our, our souls is, is finished. It's done. So tonight, I'm thankful because I have a little, a, something that happened to me. See, when I grew up, my dad, Elmer, um, he, he didn't have a lot of experience raising kids. And I was a rambunctious, kind of bullheaded, little stubborn little guy. I had some problems. Uh, there, there was a divorce. I was uh, two years old when mom and he got married. And uh, so I, I was insecure and running around, and uh, I was a little kind of cantankerous. I had a, a, a kind of strong will, and uh, that's softened a lot lately. But um, I'm... I'm um, I'm sitting here as a little child, and all of a sudden, I, I'm, not, I'm not really getting along with my dad. And I thought, it's all him. And, you know, it, I think it was. No, no, but it was horrible. We didn't get along, and uh, we're always button heads. And so um, I remember one time I threatened my dad. Uh, and it was right about the time, right when I was just before I got saved. And these, one of the things that caused me to get saved was me and my big mouth. And I was rebellious and I, I stood up one day. He, uh, I was, I think I was smart mouthing him or something. I, my mouth was just out of control. Well, God bless my dad. He took the garden hose. He was hosing off something on the patio and he says, I've had it with you. And he just doused me down with the hose. I mean, with the garden hose. And I'm, <laughs> you know. And I got really proud, really upset. And I said, you, you're not going to ever do that to me again. And I said, if you ever do that to me again, I'm, I'm going to take you out and all this stuff. And I was just Mr. Tough Guy. So, guess what my dad did? He said, son... If the day ever comes when you feel like you want to beat me up and if I'm too old to defend myself, he said, go right ahead. And uh, I started to cry. And I got up off the couch. He was reading his paper. You know how dads do that sometimes? He just turned, he brought the paper down. He says, you go right ahead if you feel like you need to do that someday. He put the paper back up. I love my dad. He killed me. My heart was broken. I felt so dirty and so filthy and so out of place and such a creep. And man, I just said, ah, oh, I started crying. And I said, Dad, I'm sorry. I'll never touch you. Like, I'm sorry. He goes, I know. Give me a, well, I gave him a big hug. And it was so sweet, so sweet. And I think right about that time, I, I know I was 17 and I got saved. And after I got saved, guess what happened? Now, guess what happened to my relationship with my dad? You can guess it. All of a sudden, we became friends. And, you know, for these 32 years, I guess it was, uh, since, since he died in 07, for 32 years, I, my dad and I got along. It was amazing, but whose fault was it? It wasn't my dad's fault. You say, well, yeah, no, 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 wait. You can't blame your father. 
you got to look at yourself. You come first. It's not God. It's me. It's me. It's me, oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. When I got right with God, all of a sudden, my dad and I started getting along. And my brother and I got along. And my mom and I got along. And my sister and I got along. And for a little while there, it was heaven on earth until they realized some folks what I believe. <laughs> but, you know, uh, there's, a, there's a sweet time of fellowship there. And, and that's what happens when you're reconciled to God. It's just amazing. And then on our first anniversary of our church in 1998, uh, I got to baptize my dad. And it's just so sweet. I can't, make, can't wait to see him because, you know, he's with the Lord now. But, you know, that relationship was troublesome. That was, uh, it was turmoil and hard and cantankerous and friction and friction and friction until I got saved. And then we reconciled. So I want you, I want you to realize that your relationship with God does not depend on your righteousness or your good works it depends now on your uh, relationship to Jesus so you're saved because of Christ you've been reconciled that he did it for us we didn't reconcile to God all we did was accept the reconciliation that was provided for us so I'm really happy that somebody did all that work for me number one I don't know how to get to heaven I don't know how to be good. Anybody ever tried to be perfect before? I mean, have you ever even made an attempt at it? Well, I have. No, I, I, I did. I tried. I thought, oh, I got to get to heaven. I, I tried to be perfect. It lasted for like, I think, two or three hours, and then kaboom, it was over. And I thought, I can't do this. Uh, so aren't you glad it's not dependent on you? The reconciliation is a gift from God. The propitiation has been done for you. Jesus already did all the work necessary. And if you receive him as your Savior, if you've, did that, if you've done that, if, you, if you've accepted him as your Savior, you're, you're now reconciled to God. And then he tells us this. He says, now I want to give you the word of reconciliation. One verse, we're done. Let's, let's look at verse 20 of chapter number 5. Now you say, well, that's all good, except for now you tell me i got to do something about it. Uh-oh. Well, yes, we do. We have now an ambassadorship, and it's time for us to be an ambassador for Christ. I'm glad that, you know what, if, if, if Biden called me up, wanted me to be an ambassador for Scotland, you know what I'd tell him? No, no way. And then I'd say, ain't no way. Because I like what I'm doing. Because I'm an ambassador for somebody better. Look at verse 20. Now then, we, you that are saved, are ambassadors for Christ. As though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled unto God. So we have this ministry of reconciliation. Does anybody ever remember having somebody tell you about Jesus when you were young or older? Did you, have you ever had anybody what we call witness to you? 
have you ever, do you ever remember anybody actually talking to you about Jesus and saying anything about getting saved or receiving him as Savior? You know, that, that, they were being good ambassadors for Jesus. And that's what, that's our job. Now, you don't have to get a megaphone and stand up on a pickup truck and ride down Bellingham because you'll probably get shot. But if you, if you tried that, God doesn't require you to get on the street corner with a megaphone. And don't be too harsh on those that do that, right? That takes a lot of guts, and I don't have it. But a lot of people, there's been people that went to Africa and China and Russia. We have missionaries that we support. They go to Honduras, to Papua New Guinea. They're going to uh, Alaska. There's people going all over the world. Listen, they've got, they've got a tremendous amount of love for God. They have uh, completely sacrificed their, their livelihood here in America. They've, they've said goodbye to some really pleasurable things and some ease of life and some riches. And my goodness, there's some, there's some great people getting, getting the gospel out. And that's amazing, isn't it? And they should be honored. And anybody, the Bible says, blessed are the feet of them that preach. The, how, how blessed are the feet of them that preach the gospel and bring good tidings. And Jesus himself, he sent, he sent people out. Uh, he sent 70 of them out one time. He said, go tell this gospel everywhere. And then when he left them, he said, uh, tarry ye here in Jerusalem until ye be endued with power from on high. And you should be witnesses. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. You should be witnesses unto me in Samaria and Judea and the uttermost parts of the earth. I mean, he says, go, go, go tell the gospel. You're, you're my ambassadors. You're my witnesses. And if you've been saved, that's part of your uh, ministry as a Christian, just to be a reconciler. And it doesn't always work. How many have ever run into a few dead ends? <laughs> Anybody know what irreconcilable differences is? That's a rough, that's rough. That's, there are some out there that they're not going to be reconciled. They have, they have the opportunity, but they, they're going to refuse it. But... I just love seeing people that have a soft heart and that they want Jesus to be their Savior. And I don't know how, but the miraculous day that I finally came to my senses with, with God's help to see my need and some of those things that I said to my dad, some of those things I did when I was a teenager, some of those places I went, some of the things I did, it was all to show me how, how sinful I was and now, okay, let's deal with that. And I didn't have anything to do. I didn't know what to do. So I, I bowed my knees one day and I asked Jesus to come into my heart. So we, we've been reconciled. Amen? Amen? It's a wonderful thing. Let's enjoy that. And let's uh, ask God, help me be a good ambassador. Let's bow our heads for prayer.